This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them.
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Converge. Today on this uh, beautiful rainy day, we're going to get things going here in just a second. And actually, we're going to start off today with uh, worship. We've got a, a brand new worship team, and, uh, and we're excited for that today. Um, so I just wanted to say welcome to Converge and, uh, and open us up in prayer. And then mention, if you didn't grab coffee or a snack, you're welcome to go do that still. You're not going to bother anybody up here. But we're going to go ahead and get things rolling right now. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather together as a body of believers and just this, uh, this chance for fellowship and for growth. And I just pray that uh, with so many of us going through major life transitions right now, Lord, that you would help us to lay all those distractions aside, that you'd help us to set our hearts and our minds on worshiping you this morning, and, uh, and that you would help Dave uh, this morning as he brings the word. Thank you for all that you are, Lord, and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and join us as we worship this morning?
No. 
God, we pray to you this morning that we stand behind your cross and that you show us the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, guys, good morning. Welcome to Converge. My name is Dave, and I help to lead this group. And we've got a great team here. So if you see people that don't seem to fit in the young adult category quite as well as you do, then they're probably here for that. Or they think it's great to be here. So that could be the other thing. Um, we are the, the young adult group of Heritage Baptist Church made up of a variety of types of people who are maybe in college. Does that represent any of you guys? Okay. Or maybe you're making your way in the working world. Does that represent anybody? Good, good. Okay, a few people. Uh, or maybe you're trying to figure out what's next. Does that represent anybody? Okay, the, the, hesitant, the hesitant cheers tell it all. Uh, so, it doesn't really matter exactly where you find yourself in this season of life, but we share, for the vast majority of us, we share what this season of life has to offer, which is a bunch of transition. There are things that have been true about most of you for a long time, and in this particular uh, span of a few years, most of those things are going to shift a little bit or maybe just altogether going to shift. And so what we do, we recognize that that's the case. And as a group, we want to walk through that transition period of life together. Uh, we exist for the purpose of having a place where you can come together as young adults to grow deeply in Jesus so that you can go from here to represent him in whatever context you find yourself in after this. So we recognize that for most of you, this time period here in Lynchburg or at Heritage Baptist Church is short. And we want to leverage that to the best of our ability to equip you for walking with Jesus. Our mission at Heritage is to make disciples by living the gospel life among the nations. That is here. This is a nation. We're living among the nations right here. Uh, we want you to represent Jesus well. We want you to live the gospel life here and now during this time period. And we want you to, to grow deeper, deeper and deeper in Jesus so that when you leave here, that you take that with you. That you realize that first and foremost, the college degree or the career path that you're developing isn't what defines you. That what defines you is that you're a follower of Jesus. And that because you're a follower of Jesus, God has made you an ambassador of reconciliation for Jesus to this world. Wherever you go. That could be the nations. It could be the most remote nation that you can think of right now to go and share Christ with an unreached people group. That could be right here as a teacher in a local elementary school meeting kids who don't know Jesus and that you have the privilege of 
demonstrating with your life what that looks like. We want, we want this to be the place where, or a place, where growth happens. So if this is your first time with us, I want to tell you just a little bit about what is here, but I'll also tell you that if you really want to know what's going on with Converge, you should be here on September 4th, two weeks from now, when we have our big kickoff and we really go into depth about what's going on this year, and we have pizza and Hawaiian shave ice for everybody, which is also fun, okay? They don't, maybe they don't seem to go together, but they do. Pizza and Hawaiian shave ice? Because pizza goes with anything, and we're hoping for not a dreary, rainy, all, almost coolish day on that day. We want a blazing hot Hawaiian shave ice kind of day, so hopefully that'll all happen. But we'll be here on September the 4th and uh, really go into some depth about what's going on in Converge and, and what this group has to offer. But for today, let me tell you that it doesn't just stop here. What we think, um, we think it's great to have a big group of young adults together to rally around God's word and learn and grow together. But for some of you, uh, you don't have a lot of community with believers outside of this. Or maybe your community with believers is all back home and this is new. We have some small groups that meet during the week. Um, you'll hear a little bit more about them at the end. We're going to have our announcements at the end. For those of you who are just used to Converge, we're shaking it up on you today and flipping things around a little bit. We have our announcements at the end. We've got lots of great things to, to tell you about with that, but one of them is our small groups. And so we meet around God's word. Some of them meet around what we talk about here today in order to kind of flesh that out in real life as you walk through, through that real life um, outside of here. And some of them meet for other purposes, like praying together for what your future is going to be or how you can be involved in reaching the nations. Some of them meet for uh, going deep into what it means to have the gospel really be a part of all of your life and speaking the gospel into those things. Uh, so there's a variety of different things, but we'll, we'll talk, like I said, more about that as we go, and Josh later today will tell you about how to know that those things exist. Since it's on my mind, though, I'll give you a little teaser towards that, which is we have a text message communication system that from this day forward, if there's a downpour during the 9 o'clock worship service, you will get a text that says, did you know we have a back door and you can come that way? <laughs> I didn't send it today because I was so worried that anybody who'd been to Converge would get that text and come in the back door and anybody who hadn't been to Converge would be like, where did everybody go? <laughs> so I didn't send it today. But in the future, we have a back door and it comes in this way and you can actually stay dry. So point number one for joining our text message announcement. Okay. Guys, for, um, for today, uh, I, was, um, I was back and forth between sharing one of, uh, of two things with you, and, and I just feel like God has pushed me in the direction of one of them after, um, after kind of aiming towards the other. So I'm going to wreck Seth's plans, who's already put titles and stuff into our podcast that we send out and all that kind of thing. But we're going we're gonna to go actually to Psalm 44 today, and we're going to spend some time looking at a, a particular passage of scripture that um, kind of threw me for a loop when I read it recently, and I'll share my interaction with it, but then um, 
we'll walk through it, and, and I really believe that it speaks to, um, it speaks to the idea of lament. Okay? I've been listening to a couple of books recently about um, this idea of lament. You understand um, that there's at least one dedicated book in the Bible to lament, right? Lamentations. And this idea of uh, sometimes we just have to realize, we have to come to grips with the fact that life doesn't exactly go the way we would want it to go every time. And understand a God-honoring way to approach those times when all it feels like is frustration or disappointment or hurt in those, um, in those events. Lament, to give you kind of a punchline, lament is a language that we can use in communication with God that takes us from this hurt and frustration. And because it's based on what we know to be true about God, takes us to a place of hope. It doesn't remove the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but it changes how we face them because we're facing them with with a hope and a joy and a peace that's grounded in God rather than our circumstances. And so seemingly catastrophic things going on in our lives don't have to derail us completely. But God is gracious enough to allow us this language where we can actually legitimately complain to him in the circumstances with a foundation of hope behind it that brings us to a place of worship. We're going to be in Psalm 44, which I think is a picture of this, um, this at work in a group of, of followers of God. But I want to tell you that when I first read this, I was, I was reading through the first part and I hear, you know, God did this, God... God saved us. God prepared a nation, a land for us. And, you know, just feel this built up. And then, and then you hear all these bad things that are happening. And you're like, okay, I can, I can walk with this. This is, seems fairly typical of a psalm, like we're going to a, a dark place. And, and then I expect this full resolution at the end of, but God rescued. And so there's worship behind it. And we don't get full resolution here. And I... It really bothered me. It's like this this isn't okay to walk away from in my devotional reading today of the of scripture. Like I'm not comfortable with what where I'm left with this. And so I spent some extra time with this particular psalm and I and I find that it walks us through this idea and that that if you get the nuances, if you understand what they're actually saying in the midst of kind of some frustration, that that what they're seeing is their God. And that they do have hope that this is not the end of the story. We don't get the end of the story in this particular psalm. But we see the hope that comes in this process of lament. So let me read it for you. And then we'll talk through some of the things that are going on. Oh God, we have heard with our ears 
Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations, but them, our people, them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them, our, our fathers, you, you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand, but by but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God, ordained salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. And there's going to be a turn here in the, in the language. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have gone out with our arm, gone and not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You've sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You've made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long, my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way, yet you have broken us in the place of jackals. And covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God. Or spread out our hands to a foreign God. Would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake. We are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake. Why are you sleeping O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. So you see the psalm ends with still a plea for God to act. And that's where I was kind of left like, okay, where's the rest of the story? Right? But we go through here and we can see glimpses of what's taking place in the transformation of their approach to life because they know who God is and what he has done. I love that this psalm starts out with a rehearsal of what God has done in their lives. Okay? It, takes, it takes eight verses of, of them kind of treasuring the acts of God, a gracious protective father who has delivered them in the past who they even have confidence in now if you read verses five through eight that right now you push down our 
Through you, we push down our foes. You are acting on our behalf. And what's interesting is that right after that, it's not, it's not so much of, a, of an anomaly that they say, but now we're facing struggle. Okay? We can, we can kind of come to grips with that. right? I mean, some of you probably are facing frustrations, things that are, that are gripping you in a way that kind of want to pull you from your moorings, so to speak. That they want to leave you stranded in the waves of, of life, right? You might be coming from those things. They might be in your recent history. They might be your current present day. Maybe just the act of relocation and starting something new feels that much of a, of a disturbance in what is going on around you. But these people start by remembering what God has done. My, my question to you is, do you have a process by which you remind yourself of what God has done? A few of you have been around me enough to, um, to probably be challenged in this way before, but to record the things that God has done. You should find a place, something that's Something that's reliable and secure, not like a post-it note or an index card, but more like the pages, the blank pages or the journaling lines in your Bible, where you're at least going to be really hesitant to ever get rid of those things, right? Feel me on that one? Like an old Bible that you just, like, what do I do with this? At least you're going to hesitate to get rid of it. So you should, you should write these things down. When God does something in your life significant to grab your attention, which unfortunately is not as often as it probably should be, right? We should see God and what he's doing. But when he does that, you should write it down. The time that somebody came into my office and said, you should teach God's word. From somebody who's a sarcastic, kind of caustic type of individual that doesn't typically say things to build you up, to have an encouragement, kind of jump in your face from that kind of individual means that God is probably saying something to you. If this is, if this is somebody who follows Jesus, and in spite of his first impressions, he does follow Jesus and love him. You guys don't know him, I could tell you all about him. Recently, though, just to kind of bring that part of, of the story to some resolution, recently he heard about uh, me getting hired here at the church and that I am actually teaching God's word on a regular basis, and he said, good, I'm glad he followed my advice. <laughs> actually, it's what he said, so I said it to my wife. Um, you should find a place to record what God has done so that when you hit the times of struggle and turmoil and, and uncertainty, that you have, you have record of what God has done. For the, for the nation of Israel in this time and place, these, this was oral tradition. This was the stories that they told. This was, this was what they talked about in their homes. And so it was regularly reminded to them of what God has done. For us, not so much. We need, to, we need to be proactive in remembering, giving ourselves opportunities to remember what God has done. 
But then they get to this, they get to this place where, I mean, they're hitting a low place. The way that they're talking, I mean, um, to hear even the inner defeat, not just what's happened nationally, but read verses 15 and 16 with me again. All the day long, my disgrace is before me. Shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and reviler. They've hit a really low place. What I think stands out as rare in this type of language is that they don't follow that with repentance for what they've done. The things that have gotten them to this place. Instead, by all accounts, an honest assessment of where they're at, they state, we haven't done anything to deserve this. Now, we all understand our own sinfulness, right? That we don't deserve anything of the grace that God has given us. But there are times that do seem to be um, situations that are not commensurate with how we're trying to follow Jesus. That we're getting, we're getting an unfair treatment. That's what they're saying here. Read it with me again, verse 17. All this has come upon us that we have not forgotten you. We've not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals. You've covered us with the shadow of death. If, if we had forgotten the name of our God, if we had spread out our hands to a foreign God, then this would make sense. But we haven't. And they say in verse 22, which is our first glimpse that there's something going on in them to realize that God's at work in something bigger than, than what they see. That there's hope to be had in this relationship with God. This is our first glimpse. They say, yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That seems, that's really dark. So where's the hope in there, right? That first part of the phrase, yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. One commentator puts it um, this way, that this is them realizing that sometimes the wounds are battle scars, not punishments. Sometimes the wounds you feel are battle scars rather than punishments. What I mean is that we are in the middle of something much greater than just us. That there is warfare going on around us. That, that we are part of a battle, whether we realize it or not. And that we are in employed in this battle as followers of Jesus against a really strong enemy. A losing enemy, but a really strong enemy. And that sometimes what we find ourselves in are indications of that battle rather than effects of our own mistakes. And so when he says, yet for your sakes, we're being killed all the day long and we're regarded as sheep to the slaughter, it's them saying, 
it's about you. It's not about us. It doesn't necessarily change how they feel about the circumstances, but it gives a perspective about why they're going through it. In case that seems like a stretch, Paul agrees with me. So there's my credentials on this. Okay, Paul agrees with me. Do you, re- do you remember hearing this verse before? It's in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. If you want to turn there, you can, or you can just listen. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 say this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus was the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, all kinds of bad things that we might lump into the category of Psalm 44? Shall any of these things separate us from the love of God? Verse 36 says, As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In this relationship with God, where we have security in Jesus, but we have an enemy attacking us, Paul uses these words from Psalm 44 to say, you're part of something bigger. And because you're part of something bigger... God will continue to act on your behalf, but these things will take place. He doesn't say they won't happen. He says they won't separate us from the love of God. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So they begin to see that they're part of something bigger. But there's still a lot of a lot of emotion wrapped up into this. He says, "Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression?" For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. We're at a really low place. Rise up. Come to our help. And here's the key to say that there is hope in who God is. That there is a knowledge of what he can do. That they're not, they're not seeing this as a permanent situation. But rather an opportunity for God to show what he is going to do in their lives, they wrap up their statements with this. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. If all the things we know about you are true, the things that we've rehearsed in the beginning verses of this psalm, if those are all true, then you are a God of steadfast love. And that in spite of the things that I'm seeing around me, the things that I'm feeling at this point in time, 
I know that you're in control. And that if you are in control and that you are a God of steadfast love, then come and redeem us. Take what is here and now, uncomfortable and hurting, and turn it into something. That's redemption, right? To give purpose to something that is valueless or has lost value. Take these circumstances and turn them into something. Redeem them for the sake of your steadfast love, saying that this is going to be what brings our praise here, is that your steadfast love will be on display. As you're likely to encounter times in the not-too-distant future that are hard, okay? I mean, I think we can probably all get on board. That's not just a pessimistic attitude, right? There's just reality to life. And in those times, you're probably going to be shaken. Our ability to stay steadfast in our walk with Jesus is dependent on how much we are rehearsing these things. That you need to have that opportunity to remember what God has already done. So write them down. There are certain... um, There's certain things that develop in our lives when circumstances don't go the way we want them to go. And they develop like um, they're indications. They're indications of what's going on in a deeper place in us. You could say they're like fruit to what's going on, okay? So some of us in this room have spent some time talking through this process of taking the fruit that is on display because of what's going on in my heart and tracing it down to the root of what's going on and then taking that and repenting of it because we know something else is true and then allowing that truth to bear good fruit instead so we trace what is the indications of what's going on down to its core. I really think you can see that in the life of, of these um, that are writing this song. That there's pain and agony and they feel lost. And that they take, they take those thoughts and they go down to this core thought where, where they could actually land on, I have been abandoned. And they, I mean, they say it actually say it why have you rejected us why you have made us turn back you've made us like sheep for the slaughter you've made us a taunt to our neighbors and you've done this to us but because of the work they've done to know who God is to remember the type of God that he is that he's acted in the past and that he will act in the future then they're able to shift their thinking to be from this loss to be settled on the steadfast love of God. And so I believe that had we like three more verses, we would read things about 
the joy and the hope that they have in this redeeming, steadfast, loving God in spite of the circumstances that they're in. And so we're assuming a few things. But that that's, that's where this is taking them. It's from the place that they just respond to the circumstances that they're in. Down to the, to the core. And what, where have I begun to disbelieve my God? And change that because of what you know to be true about your God. And instead of living in that pain and agony and hopelessness, to live in joy and peace and hope. You have that opportunity if you rehearse to yourself what God has done. If you speak these truths. And this language of lament is a way to process that. That when complaint with an understanding and a trust in who God is bears fruit of hope, then God does a work through this language of, of lament. If you want, if you're a reader, if you want to pursue that a little bit, um, the book that Pastor Nathan recommended on this topic is, uh, is Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy is all about this language of lament. The ideas of taking the fruit of how you feel and what's going on around you down to its root and then up to a, a new good fruit, that comes from a book called Gospel Fluency, um, which is really great to just speak the gospel into everyday situations of life. The same guy who wrote Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy um, has written Weep With Me, which is a response to um, racial divide and how we need to lament together in this. And, and I'm about halfway through listening to that if you are intrigued by that. Um, so lots of resources in this, and, and there's, I'm sure there's tons more to, uh, to talk about. But I think that this is, um, I think it's an important and maybe under- underused, understated uh, communication with God, that we are going to find ourselves in dark places. But that doesn't mean we need to stay there or that it should wreck our understanding of who God is, but rather that in faith we find hope in spite of those circumstances. Guys, I'd love to pray with you, um, and then Josh is going to come and, and share some stuff uh, that's going on with us. I'm really glad that you're here, and I uh, hope you come back, especially on September the 4th, when there's not going to be a cloud in the sky, and it's going to be 89 degrees, and we have Hawaiian shirt on, because it's happened another year. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace in providing us this opportunity to come to you with real emotion and real feelings, and that you're, you're not offended by that, that we don't separate ourselves from you by expressing those things, but rather we get to identify who you have always been and realize that you will continue to be that, that your steadfast love will remain, 
and that your purpose will stay there and that we will not be separated from your love by any of these circumstances, but that we do, we do in fact, at times, experience battle scars because we're in a war. Father, I pray that we would be aware of what's going on around us so that we can better represent you to the people that we come into contact with. Father, thank you for all of the things that are um, that we are on the precipice of seeing happen right now. We're, we're about to walk through uh, the threshold of this vast new opportunity of a new semester, a new ministry year here at Heritage, a new uh, set of circumstances for many people in this room. Father, I pray that in all of the newness that we would find you, that we would continually chase after you, and that through that pursuit, we would find your steadfast love and your faithfulness to continue. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, before everybody takes off, I just want to run through a couple of opportunities and things that are going on right now. Uh, like Dave mentioned, if you want to know what's going on, if you want to be able to reach out to us easily, if you want text messages when something comes up, uh, communication about the small groups, please text at HB Converge to 81010. That gives us the ability to send out like a blast text message to all of you, and it also gives you the ability to reply to those text messages, and those go straight to me and Dave. So if you've got a prayer request that you want to get out to everybody, if you've got a question that you just want to, to go to us, you know, you've got lots of options there. And, you know, Dave will give you his phone number. I'll give you my phone number. You've got lots of options there. But this is just a really easy way to kind of get that immediate channel of communication. Uh, and that's at HB Converge to 81010. So one of the things that we send out reminders about each week on that uh, text channel is about small groups. We have small groups that meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and, uh, and I believe we've got three small groups that are gonna be meeting this week. Uh, so generally we'll have a group that meets at the Velez's house, at the Subi's house, and at the Erdvig's house, and uh, we'll send out the addresses and the times, and then you know if there's a last minute change or pivot, that's also how we let you know that that's going on is uh, over those text messages. So then uh, if you have the ability to keep your Tuesday or Thursday open so you can come jump into one of these small groups, it's kind of just an opportunity. This is a big room. There's a lot of us in here. This is an opportunity to meet with a few fewer people and kind of dig into the passage uh, that we talk about in here in more of a discussion format. So if you're able to do that, I would encourage you to do so. To know what's going on in Heritage as a whole, you can go to hbclynchburg.com hub. And that's where, that's the announcement hub for all of the things that are going on throughout the church. Uh, if you want to know more about upcoming schedules or opportunities or ways that you can jump in and volunteer, that's a great place to get that information. And you can go there yourself. You don't have to stalk over somebody's shoulder. So I'd encourage you to do that. Oh, also, so the hub is a spot on the website. There is a booth in the International Plaza also. So the, the big room with all the flags, there's a person there whose job is just to help you find more information and get you plugged into something that you're interested in volunteering for. So I'd encourage you to check out the hub booth in the uh, International Plaza also. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, something that's coming up that I'm really excited about uh, are disciple-making teams. So this is the fourth year, I think, of us doing this. Um, but essentially, getting together for 10 weeks with a group of a dozen or so people for the specific intention of working together to, you, you agree to spend three hours each week of private fellowship with God, spend two hours in the harvest, meaning finding people to share the gospel with or to have gospel conversations with, with the people in your group. And then one hour together of corporate prayer, just gathering together to pray for the people that you're sharing the gospel with, to pray for the nations, to pray for each other. Uh, so that's the, that's the commitment. And if you're interested in knowing more about this, you're like, man, I would really like practical disciple-making opportunities. This is a great way to do that. So there's an interest meeting where they'll go over more in depth what this looks like, you know, what the schedule is, what the time commitment is, what to expect. And that's going to be on Sunday, August 28th, right after the service. Um, so that is going to be in the refinery. Um, so down in like the, the senior high area. We'll give you more information uh, coming up, but just wanted to go ahead and put this on your radar. So that's uh, next Sunday uh, after the second service. There will be a, an interest meeting in there, and they would like you to register in advance because they're providing lunch. So I would definitely encourage you to check that out. Um, somewhere that uh, Heritage needs a lot of help right now that isn't a major commitment, if you're interested in being here to help direct parking, they need somebody from like 20 minutes before the service till 20 minutes after the service starts. You can go to hbclynchburg.com volunteer for more information on that. There's just, especially in the next couple of weeks, there's gonna be a lot of people coming in that uh, need some help finding places to park. So if you want kind of a, a low commitment, but definitely a, a need, uh, that's a great place to get involved. So I would encourage you to check that out. Um, something else, last year, we were able to go on a short-term mission trip to uh, DC. And that sounds kind of strange to say that we're going on a mission trip to somewhere that's you know three hours from here. But there are more Muslim people in Washington, DC. That's, it's the second highest Muslim population of anywhere in the United States. It's Dearborn, Michigan, Washington, DC. So it's just a great opportunity to you know, visit a mosque and get to know some of these people and learn from a group whose full-time job is ministering to Muslim people, learn some of their tips and strategies and encouragement and, and pitfalls to avoid. And uh, it, it, does anybody in here, was, were any of you able to go last year? Anybody in here from the trip last year? Uh, we've got a couple, so I would encourage you to talk to talk to me, talk to Dave, talk to somebody else that was able to go on the, the trip last year if you want more information about that. And you can also go to hbclynchburg.com slash STMT for short-term mission trip to sign up there. So I, I was able to go last year and it was an amazing opportunity. You know, it's it's a long weekend and everybody that was on the trip got a chance to have a gospel conversation with a person from another culture. And it was it was an awesome opportunity. Uh, speaking of those types of opportunities, we actually have some of those here. Um, we had last year an, an Afghan initiative when the, the world was trying to figure out what to do with all of these Afghan families that were having to flee 
they put them up in a bunch of forts around the, the states. Um, so there was a fort near here that we were able to go visit and just build bridges and have conversations with Afghan people who had recently fled their country and didn't know what home would look like. So following that, we actually have several families that heritage sponsors. And then from this program, we started kind of doing English as a second language with this group. And since then, we now have people from 10 different countries uh, that are all coming to this uh, ESL to learn English. And that's been such an amazing way to build relationships. Christina is actually going to fill you in a little bit more on what this looks like. Hey, I'm Christina. I belong to him. Um, <laughs> I've got the opportunity to work with ESL and this African initiative from the beginning, and it's been so incredible to see how the Lord has used it. Um, it we're meeting a very, very important practical need for these families, um, beginning with the Afghans who most of the, especially the women, had absolutely no English knowledge whatsoever. And so coming into a place where their kids are not going to be going to school and they have to somehow like live with very little Afghan community in this area, there's not a huge community. Um, and we were their people who just sat with them and practiced the little things. And um, you do not have to be a teacher to do it. Um, if you are somebody, there's a lot of people here, and I'm sure there are some of you here who are studying to be ESL teachers. Um, this is an amazing opportunity to get some really practical experience. We have a great coordinator who teaches ESL at the school, local um, public school here, and some of the students, some of the kids are actually his students, and so he has been amazing to get a great curriculum set up for us, so you can follow the curriculum and go through it, and it's not going to be crazy hard or anything. We actually have several levels set up now in different classes because we have so many people coming. We have um, served over 44 people in a night of ESL students coming in, and we desperately need more people in order to continue this ministry. And it doesn't just end on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's from 6, by the way, I don't know if it says up there, 6.30 to 8 o'clock is our time frame, because we are people that, like, some of the only people for some of these guys coming into the country that they know, and they know that we care about them. So we get opportunities to go to like birthday parties and celebrate big highs in their life. We invite them to our celebrations and we welcome them in not just teaching them English, but actually walking through life with them. Um, and we have seen huge blessings and benefits, had opportunities to share the gospel. We've had opportunities just to show the love of Christ. Um, and even one of our Afghan um, families was able to just come and actually like brought like an impromptu party to ESL one night to celebrate both a, a birthday and um, he had been able to um, pass the like temporary period, probationary period, thank you, um, at his job and just wanted to say thank you for teaching us that we would have the, the language skills to have jobs and have um, now more stability than ever before in for a long time in their life. So I would just encourage you, if that's something that would be interesting at all for you, you don't, if you're like, I don't want to teach English, we also have a ton of kids. Most of these families are families, and they have children, and they need someone to play with them and to talk to them about their school day and just be um, a friend to them. And so there's a lot of opportunity. Please consider it. Um, 
I'm obviously a little bit passionate about it, so you can talk to me if you have any questions about it, too. Um, that's all I got. There's actually kind of another out-of-the-box opportunity with this group also, because we need uh, a couple more bus drivers to go get them from their homes and bring them back. So if you have a, a commercial driver's license and you're interested in jumping in on this, you're like, man, this conversation stuff does not sound like what I'm up for, but you wanna drive the bus, we need those too. So I highly encourage you to get involved in this if you can. Okay, I think uh, that's all I've got for you today. Um, so before we go, my apologies for, you know, asking you to jump in and help out immediately. But in this room, after we're done, there's going to be another meeting. And for that meeting, they need uh, tables with chairs around them instead of all of these rows. So if you could help us together before we leave here, stack these chairs in stacks of 11, that would be incredibly helpful. And, uh, and we'll be able to go ahead and get things set up for the next crew. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Maybe it's eight. It might be in stacks of eight, not 11. That's... Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly. <laughs>